Who are they? The master of flattery and the son of retribution. The twins? They are so different, so opposed to one another. How could they ever work together? Because of necessity. Because they must. And the rest? Three others. The father of the devil. Him? No, not him. Not yet. The stars are not so blotted. Just one who shares his name. Perhaps. There is also the one with no voice, and the ghost who loves a ghost. Are the stars always so vague? Always. This is Crow Inquisitors, an actual play RPG podcast about exonerated criminals doing the dirty work of a corrupt church. I'm Caleb, your host and game master, and you're about to listen to Season 1, Episode 1 of the show. A bit of background information on the origins of this podcast before we get started. Crow Inquisitors started back in the summer of 2016 as an actual play show streamed live to Twitch when I first took a step into the world of producing role-playing game content for the internet. It was much simpler back then, and I had a lot to learn on how to both stream and manage live role-playing game content, but the campaign is rich in both depth and fun, and is spanned across three seasons so far, with a massive cast of characters, a virtual library's worth of lore, and a ton of great memories. I've wanted to adapt our shows to podcast form for a while now, to cut out the fluff that inevitably fills up time in a live show, edit it down to the really good stuff, and add in bonus content like music and lore to help fill out the show. But I had a really hard time deciding what to start with. We've produced more than 600 hours of RPG content over the four years that we've been doing this, and so there's a lot to pull from. I finally decided on Crow Inquisitors, primarily because it represents such a monumental milestone in my life and my pursuit of this hobby. It was the first campaign we streamed live, and the first campaign that was actually relatively consistent week to week the added external pressure of the idea that this was a show now, and not just friends getting together, has infinitely increased both the quality of my games and my enjoyment of them. The other reason I decided to go with Crow Inquisitors is the fact that it's just a darn good story. Thank you for joining me in this adventure and listening to this podcast. It is a new beginning, a striking landmark in the road that marks my history with role-playing games and with stories in general. And I hope that this road is the one I will continue to walk down the rest of my life.
Before we begin in earnest, we have one more quick segment to explain what we're going to be doing here. I won't explain what role-playing games are, except to say that they're collaborative storytelling games that use rules and dice to create narrative. The particular role-playing game we're going to be playing is called The Burning Wheel. It's a fantasy role-playing game about desperate decisions and evocative characters that change and grow over time. The style of fantasy setting it uses is reminiscent of the works of Ursula K. Le Guin, Stephen R. Donaldson, or J.R.R. Tolkien, though the actual setting we'll be playing in is one that I, Caleb, the Game Master, have created myself, and that we continue to fill in together as we play. The game is also heavily influenced by medieval history, in all of its gritty details and complicated uncertainty. The Burning Wheel is my favorite role-playing game, and I hope you fall in love with it like I did as we explore its depths together. Throughout this podcast, we'll explain and discuss the rules of the game to help you understand what's going on as we play. Sometimes that will be in the actual recording of the session, but more likely it will be during the times we break between segments of the story. Sometimes during those breaks, I'll also disclose pieces of lore about the setting and the characters, factions, and societies that inhabit it. Right now, I'm going to briefly explain some of the absolute basics of the role-playing game The Burning Wheel and how it works, so you can follow the action as we go. Whenever we have a rules segment like this, you'll hear this sound. All right. Let's begin. The first thing that is important to know about the rules of Burning Wheel is that we use dice to simulate the action when conflict arises in the game. Say you want to convince someone to come with you on a perilous quest, but they seem reluctant. You roll to find out how they respond to your plea. Burning Wheel uses common six-sided dice for all rolls. They're usually rolled in handfuls, and the result of the roll is determined by this factor. Did the die come up as a four, five, or six? If so, it counts as a success towards your goal. If it comes up as a 1, 2, or 3, it doesn't, and is considered a traitor to your cause. The obstacle, or ob as we'll sometimes call it, is the number of successes required to succeed on your goal. Let's say for our previous example, the obstacle for convincing this person to come with you on your quest is 4. That means that at least 4 of the 6-sided dice that you roll need to come up as a 4, 5, or 6 for you to succeed on your stated intent persuading your friend. The amount of six-sided dice you roll is determined by a number next to the character's relevant stat, skill, or attribute. While you won't have any of the character sheets in front of you to reference each character's ability while you listen to this podcast, we might mention those numbers from time to time. I brought up intent before. This is another important aspect of Burning Wheel. Let's consider our example of persuading someone to quest with you. The intent of the roll is what you want success to mean. In this case, it would be, your friend comes with you on your quest. The intent determines to a large extent the obstacle, and helps me as the GM set the difficulty for the role. The task is what you use to accomplish your intent. When the player in our example told me as the game master, I want to convince my friend to come with me on my quest, they are making a statement about intent, what they want to happen if they succeed. It's my job as the GM to then tell them what skill they need to use to accomplish it the task. In this case, it would be the skill persuasion. Two other rules related to roles are forks and help. Let's start with the first one. Forks is an acronym for fields of related knowledge. When you're rolling a skill that could be aided by knowing other skills, you can fork in that skill to give yourself bonus dice on that test. You get one extra die if that fork skills number, or exponent as it is sometimes called in the burning wheel, is a six or lower, and two extra dice if it's seven or higher. 
Let's say that our example player wants to add some extra dice to their persuasion roll, and happens to have the skill oratory, which can be used to make flowery speeches. If, during their attempt to convince their friend to come with them on their quest, they start to make a grand speech or use flowery poetic language, I as the GM would then allow them to use oratory as a fork to get a bonus die. Help works similar, but comes when another character offers a skill that might aid you. The other difference is that one bonus die is offered if the skill they are helping with is 4 or lower, while two bonus dice are offered if the skill is 5 or higher. In our example, another player character, who is also going on the quest, could try to help our player persuade the third friend with either their own persuasion skill or another relevant skill. As one final extrapolation, let's say the player from our example failed their role to persuade their friend. There's a rule in the burning wheel called let it ride, which means that a player can test only once against an obstacle and can't roll again until conditions legitimately and drastically change. So that means the player can't just re-roll another persuasion check and hope that it succeeds that time. Their friend is not convinced. They may have another skill besides persuasion that they could use to convince their friend to come along, but the avenue of persuasion is now closed to them. Another rule that's important to keep in mind is Artha. Burning Wheel uses a point-based award system. Most often, the points are awarded for creating interesting situations by playing out a character's beliefs, instincts, and traits. We'll talk about them towards the end of the episode. The points that are awarded for this are called Artha. There are three types of Artha, but we'll just discuss the first two for now. The first is called a Fate Point. It can be used to open-end a roll after it's been made. That means that any sixes that were rolled are now dice that can be rolled again to possibly get extra successes to help you accomplish your stated intent. If you roll any more sixes, those also re-roll until you don't roll any more sixes. Add up however many more successes this adds to your total roll, and you now have your new result. This can be used to succeed a roll that you initially failed. The second type of Artha is called a Persona Point. It is primarily used to add dice to a roll before it is made. They can be spent one for one to add dice to a roll. They can also be used to bail a character out of a situation that will lead to their imminent death, so it's handy to keep one around for emergencies. Each type of Artha has multiple ways they can be used, but it would take a while to go through them all here. Suffice it to say that they are special points that can be spent to accomplish the extraordinary. Each character in this first episode begins the game with one fate point and one persona point. Now that we have a basic understanding of the rules, let's begin our journey. We'll go back in time to 2016, back to the beginning. This is Crow Inquisitors. We are live with the burning wheel. Hello, hello. How is everybody doing? I don't see the burning wheel. Where is it? It's all around us, Connor. It's inside of us. Uh, that's that lame. Anyway. We're doing well. How are you, Caleb? Excellent. I'm doing great. I have been so pumped for this for like 
three weeks now, and I'm so excited that we're actually starting. At last, we are down one member today. Adam was not able to join us, but we will continue on without him starting up this game. Connor and I talked it over and we figured out a way for him to be introduced later, but I'll explain that as we continue with the game. The concept for this campaign is Medieval Suicide Squad. So basically, we have a group of criminals here, four to be exact. Delon, Alphonse, Cantarius, and Antonius. And each of them have done despicable things to get them thrown in prison. So what I want to start with then, you guys are all in your cells, your, your individual cells. You've been in your cells for about a week or so. Some of you have been in there longer, but you've been in these specific cells for a week. So you may have been in prison longer, but the guards moved you to this prison. You're in the uh, second biggest city in the kingdom of Saran, which is where this story is going to take place, the city called Lucerta. And it is the religious center of uh, the kingdom and the home of who we will affectionately refer to in this game as the Pope, though he probably has a bit more of a specific title. We're doing it like a Brandon Sanderson novel where he's using the word that is the closest in our modern English to what he wants it to be. All right, so we fade in from black and we see rays of sunlight coming from the open window of a cell uh, leads outside and we kind of follow the camera as it pans down from that window and we see David's character laying on his cot. What would you be doing if you've been sitting in here for a week? Well, okay, does he have his any of his personal effects or I imagine they probably nope. have them? You're stripped to the waist. You have All nothing. Right. All right, in that case, he's probably just praying, I imagine, at this point. That a lot, and that's okay. probably what he's keeping his mind off of it since he doesn't have his holy book. Are there any specific words that you're saying, or are you just kind of like mumbling the, the normal rote prayers? No, I think he's kind of in more words, just kind of being like, I understand, you know, your ways are higher and stuff like that, and like, I, I don't know what's going on or why I'm here. Like, yeah, you know, like basically, I was, I was doing what I thought was right, and now I'm in prison. Yeah, I know there's a reason for this, I don't know what it is, you know, show me that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of going over that again in his head. Because okay. he trusts them, but he's also in prison, so he's kind of like, hey. <laughs> uh, yeah, more, more specifically, I kind of failed to inform you of this, but the religion of Saran is very much a mix of, like, Catholicism and ancient Israel. And there is a god figure, a singular god in this religion. He's probably referred to as the great god. And all of the other Garrick deities are basically patron saints of one thing or another. But so are you praying to the great God or are you praying to one of the patron saints? He's probably assuming that it wouldn't be like a presumptuous thing for him to do. He's probably praying straight to the deity. I feel like that it might be a presumptuous thing to do in that religion, but I feel like Delon would do it because it's a presumptuous thing to do. Probably. You know what I mean? He's much more presumptuous when it comes to the religious leaders than he is the actual no, and I get that, but like I feel like because of his grasp of doctrine, he understands that that is the main, right. you know, center religious figure, and that's the most important one. I mean, obviously, it's yeah. up to you, but yeah, and I think that makes sense because he's seeking for the secret purpose behind all this confusing stuff, and yeah. he probably doesn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, we kind of go through the wall and cut into Alphonse's room. Probably a painful uh, experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what is Alphonse doing, Jared? Throwing pebbles, at David. And be like, Psst, David. Or I'm on the other side of the wall. Oh, you mean throwing him at the wall? 
Oh, are, are they not bars, or is it solid wall? Uh, no, it's it's solid wall, and then there are, like, little windows mm. up at the top that let in sunlight. There, there might be a grate in between. Maybe there's, like, a drain. I make a sing check to annoy the guards. Do you have the skill sing? No. All right. Problem solved. So here's the real question. If his intent is to annoy the guards and he fails, does that mean he just sings so well that they think, like... <laughs> what was the thing? Okay, so what is your intent? Is your intent just to annoy the guards? Yes. See, this one I'm wondering. I'm wondering if this is actually a sing role. I feel like it's not. Well, his intent is kind of to do something else. I feel like singing would be something he would fork in to do what he wants to do, which would probably be provoke or something if that's a skill. Uh, it would be conspicuous. <laughs> I have conspicuous. You do have conspicuous. So go ahead, go ahead and roll conspicuous instead. Because it is a skill that you know, you can fork in a skill if you want to. Are you doing anything else except for just being obnoxious? I'm trying to get them into the cell to beat me. You're trying to get them into the cell. Okay, so you're, yes. we're, ta- we're doing okay. that thing that you talked about. a really yeah. good idea if you were playing any of your other characters. <laughs> <laughs> you should get them in the cell to beat up me, except I don't have a sword, so that's a bad idea anyways. My brawling sucks. <gasps> can I convince them to go beat up David? Oh my gosh, no, I'm completely changing it. I'm just like, hey, <laughs> hey guards, dude, that guy next to me is talking total crap about your mama. I think you should teach him a lesson. <laughs> I'm doing it. Okay, all right. Just quietly praying in the corner the whole time. He's like, what? You're a terrible that person. Persuasion, then? Okay, uh, is that all you're saying? Yeah. Okay, that specifically is going to be a hard roll. So let's go ahead and make that an of five, because if you're just saying that one sentence, you have to be very careful with how you phrase that sentence and what you're exactly doing to make sure that they are persuaded. Just that one sentence. Yeah, exactly. So go ahead and and roll that. Darn. You failed. Okay, so the guards come. He comes in and tries to beat you up. Yeah, no, the guards come in and beat you up instead. (laughs) Can I pickpocket the key from one of them? <laughs> um, you can attempt to... Okay, so are you fighting back? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> I can't fight. So this is the thing. This is the part where they just give you a wound. <laughs> but I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a light wound. Okay. You have one wound dice now, so everything you do will be a minus one. The guards come in and they rough you up a bit. They're kind of like, you know, pitting you against the wall, punch you in the, in the stomach a couple times. One of them spits in your face and he says... You're despicable. You think that that man of God over there, that holy man of God, would do anything to harm my mother? I mean, they know I killed a guy. I'm right? kind of a page, probably. But I mean, at this point, I think okay. you're a little. You have a uh, a bit of a reputation. Mm, I am a knight of the most holy order. How dare you address me as such? Uh-huh. <laughs> do you say it exactly like that? Yes. Okay. They just punch you again and um, leave you on the floor. So, did you actually want to try to do a uh, sleight of hand to? Pickpocket the key? Yes. Oh, yeah, okay, so one of them probably would have the key on them because they had to open the door. Go ahead and make a untrained sleight of hand roll. Let's say the ob is four. <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> exactly, so that, that's Ow. not going to work. Because the ob, the ob doubles to eight, so... Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's that rough, is, man. Uh, yeah. Um, you can go ahead and mark um, one of those boxes, though, um, <laughs> next to sleight of hand on the bottom there. Little, yeah, because that once you get that up to seven uh, little circles, then you learn the skill. Oh, also, because you made a persuasion roll, you can mark a difficult test. Okay, so there you go. Alphonse got beat up in a cell. 
we go over to the next cell and uh Antonius is sitting in in the cell. What was Antonius doing, Josh? Is there straw on the floor? Um yeah, there's some Are straw. Are you spinning it into gold? No, I'm not spinning it into ah. gold. I'm just weaving it into a tight ball. Fair enough. I guess that's as good too, you know. Okay. So you're just sitting there weaving some straw into a little ball? I'm also looking around the cell, looking for weaknesses. Okay, um, go ahead and make an observation test for me then. And I don't think you have observation. I probably don't. Do you have... Yeah. Because appraisal Mm. would be good and stuff. That might be a, a fork if you actually had the skill, but unfortunately you do not have the skill, so you cannot fork. So okay. I'm going to go ahead and add that to your sheet for you. Wise, would that be something? Oh, mm, that's a good point. You could roll that as a linked test. Definitely. So basically how that would work is go ahead and roll prison wise just by itself okay. against an ob. Okay. So what exactly are you trying to find out prison about this wise after one week? No, no. He had no, prison wise because he'd been in prison a whole bunch. Oh, oh, fair enough. Oh. Before okay. we go any further, what are you specifically trying to do with this? The cell that I'm in, how's it laid out? Uh, it's a simple, like, pretty small, cramped square. And there's a cot to one side of the, uh, of the wall. There's a drain in, in the center of the floor. Straw, kind of scattered haphazardly. There's a bucket in the corner where you would defecate. And then the window above with some bars and some rays of sunlight coming on. It's like morning, so the first rays of sunlight are, are coming in. Uh, so like three stone walls and an iron door, or yeah, f- uh, four stone ro- stone walls, and then in the middle of the fourth, there's there, yeah, there's an iron door in the middle. Okay, and then drains between the cells. Yep, I am inspecting the door, looking for potential weak points, specifically the condition of the hinges and lock. Okay, so you can well definitely the- fork and lock pick. So go ahead and add one to the modifier on there. Okay, you can probably fork in materials wise, to be honest. Yes, that does sound like... Yeah, so go ahead and add that in too. Man, you were just made to get out of a cell. <laughs> I mean, literally, he, most of his skills are specifically designed for that. I guess we'll just have to get arrested a lot. <laughs> we'll be like the Houdini of prisons. That looks like all I can fork, yeah. Yep. Okay, so go ahead and continue the next thing. I, I assume you're not going to spend a persona on this? Nope. Okay. We have one persona point. And one fate. And one fate. Yep. Okay. Yep, so I'm not spending any persona. Not spending any Arthur, yeah. And then the ob, let's just make it three. All right. Nice. You handily cool. succeeded on that with a couple sixes to boot. So, um, okay, so go ahead and mark uh, prison-wise test. It's a routine test. Yeah, the door isn't as structurally sound as it might appear. It, it looks like if you could get some sort of leverage, you might be able to pop the door off of its hinges. So half-barrel hinges then? Yes. Classic yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean move. Huzzah. Yes. Um, what's the crack under the door look like? I think what they normally do is they, they have you go against the wall. Like there's there's like a, a little window slot thing on like the top that they look in. And they they mostly most of the time they just have you go against the wall and then they someone comes in and just drops food off for you. This prison is specifically for the people who are going to be executed. So they don't really have a lot of people who are staying here a long period, so they don't really need like a little slot or whatever. It's just to keep them demoralized until they get killed. So Mm -hmm. sure. Sure. So while you're figuring that out, you're kind of expressing the door or whatever, we pop over to the next cell. And what is Cantarius doing, Connor? 
I am solemn in the corner. I'm just chilling, head down, just contemplating my life. So I get the feeling our characters haven't really mingled very much over the course of the week we've been in here. I don't think so. No, case doesn't sound like. No, I think most of them are pretty much loners. So except for Jared, but no one wants to talk to Jared. So (laughs) I probably tried a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So you hear footsteps. All of you hear footsteps as a couple of guards walking down the hallway where all of these cells are. They stop in front of uh, your cell, David. Or Delon, I suppose. Bye, Delon! With those footsteps, it goes into your mind. Every single one of you thinks of this. This is the Feast of Souls. That's what this day is called. It's not like a fun holiday. No, it's... It's like uh, one of those kind of commemoration feasts. It's to commemorate when the great god pronounced to like the first pope or whatever that anyone who followed the church their soul would be reaped at like the end and go to be with him this apparently marks the day like 300 or so years ago that happened and it is a common time for uh criminals to be executed because these are obviously the ones that the great god will not take with him it's so is that irony Kind of. It's kind of irony. Um, Part of it is that it's just a a popular festival, and so the people want to see a spectacle most of the time, and so they give them an execution. Interesting. Sounds like a very sick country. Uh, One thing also that comes to your mind is the fact that on every single Feast of Souls, the Pope, through the, the channel of, like, the priests in charge of the festival, basically exonerates one criminal every Feast of Souls. So there's usually, like, a group, there's usually a group of criminals that are executed via beheading, but the Pope graciously exonerates one of them, basically granting them eternal Whoa. life. So he gets to yeah, pick this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. So so one of us is Barnabas, one of us is the good thief on the cross, one of us is the bad thief on the cross, and then one of us is Jesus. <laughs> I call being Jesus, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. So that means well, that means you me get to die. Oh God. You hear footsteps. Like they kind of knock on your on your cell, Delon, and one of them says, "Against the wall, knight." And, and you can tell, like throughout this entire time, they've been actually kind of respectful of you. Yeah, he just goes up against the wall, yeah. then he just kind of looks up from praying and steps up and turns around, and goes up against the far wall. Two guards that kind of come in, you hear them from behind you, and they kind of like roughly like search you real quick, like as is the custom. And then one of them grabs you like on the shoulder and kind of turns you around and, and says, "It's time." And yeah. he kind of leads you out. And uh, another guard comes in, does the same to Alphonse. What do you say? Dinner time? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? I don't, I don't get a, a final meal? Like, steak and potatoes. One of them slaps you across the face. I'm like, my, mm, many of my lovers smack harder than you. <laughs> <laughs> many. So, okay. Oh but my many gosh. Many of your lovers did, or many of them do? Both. <laughs> okay, so when, when that happened, so I'm I'm walking past the cell at that point because they've already come and got me, and he kind of like jostles towards the cell like he wants to get in there, but they obviously the guards stop him from moving. He kind of like lurches towards it like he wants to punch him or something, and they just like rest him off and keep walking. Like, mm, Dylan, calm down. We all know it was a drunken mistake. Oh, <laughs> oh so great. Oh. Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> Put your head so in the body good. of an evil man, and this is what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure you're going to get to the part where they convince me not to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> you're totally honest here. All right. 
And they do the same for you, uh, Cantarius. I have a question. What would I roll to try and grab one of the soldiers' swords? Um, I mean, it depends. If that was the only thing you were doing, if that was your roll in its entirety, it would probably just be an agility. Okay. Okay, he might try and do that. I don't, I don't expect him to succeed, succeed, but that's okay. Okay. Well, uh, Cantarius, what are, what are you doing? Yeah, I just slowly go willingly. Slowly but surely. Okay. I walk to my death. All right. Antonius, the, they knock on your door in the same way that they've been doing it with everybody, and you are in the middle of inspecting it. What do you do? <laughs> what do I think the door is weighs? What do I think the door weighs? Probably pretty uh, heavy. Yeah, it's probably pretty heavy. I wish we had had one more turn around before we got before it came to this. That's exactly why I did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. lift the door and then let it fall on them. Yeah, I'm gonna grab the door and see if I can haul it off its hinges and throw it at them in a sort of up and off. Very nice. Okay, you all right. Just test for grabbing their sword too, by the way. Um, yeah. Way. Go ahead. Go ahead and roll those at like basically the same time. Yeah. Let's can we, go ahead can we both get uh, a helping yeah. die for that because it's a distraction? Absolutely. Sweet. Okay, so this is a power. Yep. Oh, that's not good. Then I can fork in prison wise, right? Yeah. Or no, no, because it's a stat oh. test, so you can't fork. Oh, can't fork for a stat test? Nope. Okay, so no modifiers on this then? Or... He's uh, doing uh, just a normal test, right? I'm doing an opposed. Assume the guards are not trying to hold the door in place. No, they aren't. So, yeah, it's not an opposed test right. for you. Just so, go ahead and go ahead and roll against um, an ob. What is your power, Antonius? My power is five. Nice. Okay. Let's just go ahead and say five. All right. Five. I mean, it's, a, it's an iron door. I mean, fair enough. It's five power, though. All right. Uh, you can spend a fate uh, point to open in those sixes. Oh, you've got two sixes? Yeah, you're totally all over this. I have a fate point to spend. You do have a fate yeah, point to spend. Oh, and sure then you want to actually... Is, but let's give this a shot. Next to your power stat, there's that FPD. Put a one in the F. Yeah. And then delete it off of your fate section. That just means that you spent one fate on it, and that can be a thing later. Once, okay. you, once you rack up enough points of different kinds, you can like do things with it. Cool, so you got another one. You can actually roll that again, because yeah, you got you one more six. So you, got it. you have five successes now, and you can actually roll the six again. So now roll 1d6. Oh, okay, so one. you just got five. five. So, so what was your intent exactly again? My intent was to... Your intent was to knock the entire building down, because you succeeded. So. <laughs> no, my no. intent was to... I'm not sure that that would be... No, I can't do that. He forgot what it was. Now it can do whatever no, it was. My intent was to lift the door off its hinges and throw it into them to hopefully knock them down or off balance. Okay. We see uh, Antonius kind of like fiddling with the door and then he hears a knock and his face like goes up and then looks at it, heaves, and the guards cry out as the door just literally just falls right on top of them. And you have two guards pinned under an iron door right in front of you. All right, and then I got a two for mine. So they got two also. Can I use my fate point for that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I rolled a six on that, yep. too. So. Mm-hmm. Good deal. All right. Oh, so I get three, then. Yep. Okay, so you succeed. You take the sword out of the guard's sheath. So he throws the hinges off the door and knocks two of them where the other two flinch. or are like, holy crap, what's going on? And then right when they do that, I just they loosen their grip enough that I twist around, grab one of their swords, and I run straight into Jared's cell. 
Oh no! <laughs> oh, David, no! <laughs> okay, David, so, so so technically, <laughs> technically, this is um after Jared has already been let out of his cell. Okay, so he's basically a couple guards ahead of you. Okay, then I just try and run to him to hit him with it. <laughs> I, I book it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so let's go ahead and cut there for a break, and uh, we'll come back and let's find out what happens next. <laughs> do. And that's part one of our episode. I hope you're enjoying it so far. Just a quick note to give you some more context for enjoying the show. All the music you hear is original music composed by me specifically for the podcast. I compiled all the music for the first season of the show into an album on Bandcamp. You can find a link to it in the show notes. Each of the tracks have particular relevance to something that's going on in the episode. So you might hear recurring themes and motifs that will correspond to characters, locations, or situations. I hope you like the music and that it enriches your experience of the story we're telling. Before we get back into the show proper, I want to introduce you to another segment of the podcast that may occur during breaks in the action, lore dumps. If you hear this sound, then you'll know I'm about to share a piece of lore with you from the setting we're playing in. Let's dive into our first one. The setting of Crone Inquisitors is the world of Saragon, a place of magic, demons, and prophecies. The show specifically takes place in the kingdom of Saron, a coastal kingdom on the central southern part of the continent that is heavily religious and was created with inspirations from Italian culture, Roman Catholicism, ancient Israel, classical Greece, and medieval Europe as a whole. A couple of quick things that you should know about Saron to give you some more context for the story. First, Saron is a Garrick kingdom which means it used to be a part of the continent-spanning Garrick Empire, an imperial culture inspired by the Roman Empire, the Mongolian Empire, and Charlemagne's Holy Roman Empire. You may hear me use the term Garrick from time to time in the show. It refers to the proto-culture that many of the kingdoms in the world of Saragon originate from. For example, the patron saints of Saron were originally the Garrick Pantheon of Gods, styled after the Greek and Roman pantheons, though don't ever say that around a priest. Second, Saron has a few prominent neighbors, though I'll mention one specifically here, the island kingdom of Teko to the south, which takes inspiration from imperial Japan and some other Asian cultures. Saron and Teko have tentatively peaceful relations, though at various points in their histories have been staunch allies or bitter enemies. Monotheism, now having taken a strong root in the sensibilities of Serrano culture, originally came from an obscure Tekoni cult movement though efforts have been made by both kingdoms to erase that connection. Lastly, Saron has a semi-arid and semi-tropical climate, and features deserts, savannas, rolling grassland, forests, and mountains at various points in its topography. There is extensive agriculture and animal husbandry, but much of Saron's subsistence relies on fishing along the coast and trade with neighboring kingdoms. We'll discover more about the Kingdom of Saron and the people, places, and organizations associated with it as we watch the story unfold together. Let's get back to the action with part two of this week's episode. 
This is Crow Inquisitors. So we last left off, Josh had thrown off, or Antonius had thrown off the, the iron door of his prison cell by using some leverage and his incredible power score because he's a blacksmith onto two guards. And David had stolen the sword from one of the guards in the ensuing chaos. And now he's running straight at his brother, Alphonse, to probably do horrible things to him. Let's roll a speed test, shall we? Let's not. I have a low speed. What's your speed, Jared? Uh, <laughs> I have three speeds. That wouldn't be a difficult challenge. All right. I'm yeah, trying to figure out if I, I should only mark have one speed, speed, David, so... What? Okay. Well, <laughs> that's not good. I was kind of hoping this was going to be how you didn't die. Oh, I only got one. You okay. might actually survive, Jared. You just have 50% chance that you survive, Jared. <laughs> well, you got zero. Because you have a wound. You're wounded? Uh, yeah, remember? The guards roughed him up. Crap. Oh, yeah. Okay, can I persuade David to not kill me? My gray six sword? Alright, I'm... <laughs> I'm trying to think how to not make Jared die in the first moments of this game. Have a power test. One of the guards tries to grapple me, I have two power. Hey, I have two power. Except I don't have a that might just grab him, <laughs> which I have. That might not go well, so never mind, don't do that. Cantarius and Antonius, either of you have any say in what is happening? If anything, I'm going to be making a dive for a knife. Yeah. Plus, I'm at this point, I'm in striking range, so... Dave and I just need to do persuasion rolls. I just, I guess I just kill. Oh. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. I mean, yeah, Jared, do you want to go ahead and roll a persuasion? Okay, can I fork in bullcrap? To my of course you can. Can I fork in seduction since I'm going to be lying about my seducing? No. That would be, <laughs> that would be seduction-wise. That would be in, why you get to use bullcrap-wise. Can I add in falsehood as well, since it's a lie, what I'm telling? Yep. Okay. Can I use oh, noble-wise? Okay, well, David's a noble. Sure. Yeah. <gasps> yes! Okay, so Perfect. what's the modifier? I have three modifiers, then? Uh, if it's three forked skills, yes. Okay. What's his difficulty? I imagine it's probably not just my base will. Uh, yeah, so what's your base will? Six. Six? Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead and make it an eight. Um, <sighs> do you want to add a persona to this, Jared? Oh, we have personas already? Yeah, you have yeah, one eight and one her. persona. Oh! What does that do? Does that double my dice, or...? No, it adds one to your dice. Well, should I save the persona for when David tries to kill me? <laughs> I mean, David is already trying to kill you. Okay, so. for when the sword <laughs> enters my body. Either Okay, you can do either one. I mean, okay, I'll, I'll save the persona for okay. when the sword is inside of me. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so base obstacle eight. Do I get a minus one for that too because I'm wounded? It automatically does it. Okay, well, bye David. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, you got sixes. No, five sixes. <gasps> yeah. Reroll all of them. Just spend one fate and reroll them all. Okay, Holy oh, crap, right. man. Wait, How do Jared, I do that? That was Jared's roll, right? That, oh my gosh. That's the I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, that was Jared's roll. <laughs> Alright, so Jared is still alive. That's good. Okay, so how do I uh, spend fate? To- um, you just spend a fate on your character sheet, just delete it, and then type in slash roll 5d6. 
This is what happens when you have a great shape persuasion. Yeah. He got another six. Go ahead and roll another d6. Nice. Got ten. <laughs> you have a you got a ten, man. You got like literally that is that's miracle level. How does this play out, Jared? So I'm just like, okay, okay, David, we need to sit down and talk about this like men. Well, so, what, okay, what's you guess, currently the your gullet? So you have to say something convincing to stop my sword from piercing. Yes, it. don't don't, don't worry. It's going to be convincing. Okay, but said, stop. We need to talk. Is not convincing. No. <laughs> it's like say something that makes him pause first. Uh, I did it for the good of uh, what's her, what's her name? Your sister? Yeah. I did it for the good of what's your name? Truly memorable final words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What you heard didn't actually happen. I'm actually the good guy here, David. Dellen. So I think what happens is he pauses for long enough that the guards grab the sword again. He doesn't believe you. But it doesn't matter, because basically he stops long enough being like, but, and then the guards are like, you stole my sword, punch. <laughs> and then they grab the weapon back, and he just kind of like gives you a death stare, but he doesn't do anything. Not dead. And yeah. then they grab him. That works well for the intent of the role, so... You just barely got out of that. <laughs> Obviously, um, mark the tests for these things, guys. Speed test for you, David, and except no, it's a routine, so it doesn't give you anything. And then mark a difficult test by persuasion. Yeah, so, so the guards take you away, and what, what are the rest of you doing while this is taking place? I'm just shaking my head at the depravity of some men. <laughs> uh, yeah. What did your character do again? Oh, yeah, uh, you, you didn't do anything. <laughs> right. you, didn't, you didn't ask you, though, right? Yeah, okay. That's what you think. No, I'm pretty sure you're convinced that I committed treason, but that's besides the point. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure I'd be convinced that having a building happen to fall on somebody is going to be the fault of the guy overseeing the construction. I'd be more inclined to, I don't know, it's possible, but that sounds like an accident. Unless they were like, yeah, there was a giant saw marks in the main timber in the middle of the building, then would be like, okay, sure. Anyways, yeah, Josh, so you're, you're uh, trying not to die. Yes, um, I am probably going to go... Um, do the guards have knives on them? Uh, they have swords. You have two underneath the iron door. You have seven in total. See if I can shove my way past the guards make my way toward the exit then. Okay, go ahead and do a, let's do an imposed power test. I'm not taking any fate points or first line mm-hmm. of points. Fate nope. obstacle of one because it's imposed. Yep. Here we go. Ooh. Uh-oh. Connor could help you. Right, Connor? With what? I'm not sure I would. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was mostly kidding. Either. You're resisting, right? Yes. Yeah, I wouldn't help you. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> right. Sorry. You're trying to push through the bunch of guards, and you make it part of the way. You make it almost to the stairs before just, like, the last one, who he's, like, this big, burly, like, seems to be, like, in charge of all the other guards, um, steps right in front of you and just, like... <laughs> like stonewalls you and you just like fall to the ground and he like puts his foot on your chest and he's like don't get up until i tell you to here's a plus three modifier that was with help so um all of you are caught or captured once more despite your valiant attempts to escape i wasn't really trying to get away he's trying to murder me yeah (laughs) to be fair you're about to die anyway so i'm just a little less fulfilled that's probably why i didn't bother i was like you know he's gonna die anyway (laughs) But now there's a slight twinge of doubt in your mind. No, no. I don't think so. <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're all we're all recaptured. Yeah, you're all recaptured. I had a feeling this is how this is going to play out. So you are all you all are led out of the dungeon, um, down some stairs, up some stairs again, 
and out into the light of day. You're, you're led to this like grounds, this like kind of dirt field that has a, a platform, um, and you see a, a big burly guy up on the on the platform with a big axe. And he's staring very intently at all of you. He seems to be uh, itching for some action. He kind of is like fingering his his axe. Looking forward. I'm like, mm, you work out, don't yep. you? What did you say? <laughs> like, mm, you work out, don't you? <laughs> he oh, he kind of like tightens his grip on the axe. Ooh, touched the nerve. Yeah, you all get led up onto this platform. And, and you actually see that there's, there's a crowd starting to form. It's actually, it's not quite the time for the execution, you know that usually these things tend to be a little drawn out so that the prisoners are like knelt there for a, a while. So all the crowd can like just see them in their, their misery or whatever. And in the anticipation of the beheading. So you're all kind of like forced to your knees on this platform and you can see the deep blood stains stained into the boards of the wood. They don't ask us if you want to say any last words or anything. And not, and not as of yet, the guards leave after they um, put you on the platform and the, the guy with the axe is just kind of like sitting on like a, a wooden like log that he kind of uses as a stool. The, you know, a crowd is starting to form. There's various women and children and men um, just kind of like talking to themselves and pointing at you. You do see a couple of people that you know, David, uh, in the crowd, holy knights off to the side. They're not in like armor or anything. They're in their like their tabards, um, but they, they're kind of like looking at you solemnly. I don't know if any of you want to are saying anything. Or are there anything. Uh, various women there crying? Oh, oh for, for you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> a tomato comes out of nowhere and just smacks you in the face. There are a few women in the crowd um, who are, are are bawling quite hysterically. And one of them like, calls out to you. It's like, Alphonse, I'm yeah. so sorry. And then a brawl breaks out, right? Because of all the other girls. They're like, <laughs> and they're like wait, what do you mean you're sorry? And then they all just kill each other. No, actually, the the two that are, are crying are sisters. What do we refer to the main deity as? The, the great god. Religion? So I think they already pushed us to our knees, but there's only one executioner, right? Yep. Okay, in that case, Dylan stands up. And he doesn't go anywhere, he just stands up. And then if he, uh, I assume we're, our hands are bound, right? Well, yeah. no, they couldn't be because unless they rebound our hands, because they weren't bound originally. Otherwise, they wouldn't yeah. be able to grab a sword. They weren't bound, but now they are. Okay, so they, they bound us now. Okay. Yep. So yeah, he stands up. All right, he says, the great God judges all who stain their hands with sin, observe his right justice. And then he kneels back down and puts his head over the stock. And he just kind of shoots Alphonse a look. He doesn't know the other two very well. So. <laughs> and then I stand up. I say, alas, fair maidens, my time has gone. <laughs> Weep not for your <laughs> champion. <laughs> and then, and then oh you, you hear a voice from the crowd say, Alphonse, you! And then a storm of swearing and cursing at you. Oh. And, and then literally a tomato is thrown from the crowd. A tomato kind of like it splatters like right by your 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 bended knees, uh, Jared, and it's like kind of splatters against your pants. But yeah, you recognize the the one who was screaming and throwing the tomatoes as uh, a baker's wife that you were acquainted with at one time in the past. <laughs> acquainted with? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, question about the uh, labyrinth. Um, what's what's the law structure like? Um, the civil authorities. It's very church focused. The church handles a lot of the the law. It's very close to a theocracy. It's not without actually being a theocracy. There is a, a political government set up, a uh, monarchy, but it's fairly puppet. Most so most crimes are 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 you know punished under the laws of the church and the holy texts and stuff. 
Okay, so then what would be what would be the title for a judge? Um, they're probably called holy advocates. Yeah, they don't have to be super versed in the knowledge of the church, and they don't have necessarily have to be priests, but they have to have had some sort of clergy training. So there's a lot of like holy advocates who were acolytes at some point and then just moved into the realm of law after they got their initial kind of basic church training. Then I'm going to demand that I get to speak with a holy advocate. A new that one probably this time. before you were thrown in jail. A new one this time, because Who do you tell that to, uh, Antonius? At this point, I'm just shouting to anyone who will listen. <laughs> I assume there are probably important people in amongst the crowd of observers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's some nobles, and you, you know, as I mentioned before, there's some holy knights in the crowd. So I have a five uh, suasion skill. Can I do like a little sermon blurb about how the court system is upright and and how uh, justice should, has to be served and how it shouldn't matter? If his thing, and the, the, his thing wasn't rigged, basically, on a religious standpoint. What if I add my persuasion to his suasion? Wait, you want to help David? Yes. Wait, you're <laughs> what? At this point, I want to save my neck. I'm, I'm willing to team up with David. No, no, no. no. Literally, my, no. my thing was to convince the crowd that Antonius should still die oh. because we're all sinners. It's not helping anybody. <laughs> Wait, what, David? No, <laughs> dude, no. <laughs> I didn't do it. Bad, David. You're supposed to convince them that we're to not kill us. Okay, so so I want to go ahead and actually make this roll then, Antonius. You're you're like literally trying to plead with the crowd to like, I, I need a holy advocate. Like this is unjust. Um, what is committed a crime? Okay, exactly. What what is your intent in the role though? My intent is to get the opportunity to plead my case before a holy advocate, someone other than the ones I've had before. Okay, that's your intent. David, what are you trying to persuade them? Basically to, to state that the circumstances that led him here were upright and put there by God and that, you know, he, he can't have gotten here without having committed a crime. Yeah, yeah, okay. So let's go ahead and make a, a post. I think yours is Sorry, just no. a, a base persuasion, Josh. Um, unfortunately, you do not have that skill, so you're going to be learning it. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. if I had one more doctrine, I could use doctrine to give me two extra dice persuasion. Nice. Dude, no thank you. But I, I don't, I don't, I only get one extra. I assume I get one for doctrine, right? And I don't think, yeah, I can't fork in intimidation. You can't fork in anything because it's a uh, skill being learned. Oh, yeah. So. Awesome. So go ahead and you're going to, yeah, you're going to roll that. Um, uh, Jared, did you want to help Antonius? Yes. Oh, I only got three. Wow. I would definitely like to help Antonius. Nice. Go ahead and roll another another dice. Uh, unfortunately, David's roll was a six because the successes are double oh, because right. it's uh, because you're you're learning the skill. Uh yeah, you didn't get any other successes. So yes, yeah. uh, tell me tell me how that plays out then. How, how does the because the crowd is obviously in da- in Delon's favor. So uh, so what what is your argument? My argument is that. The justice system is corrupt, and I've been okay. framed. It wasn't my fault. I shouldn't be here in the first place. Okay. I, need re- I demand the retrial. Dylan says the every portion of the justice system is holy and ordained by the great God. He says, to get to the position you're in now, you've committed a crime. Only holy justice is suitable for you now. And then he like lays his head back down on the post. <laughs> Yeah, so unfortunately, this is the Feast of Souls. It is a very popular religious holiday. Everybody's thinking about God. And so David's argument, or Delon's argument, is just a lot more convincing. So, <clears throat> and especially because the people want to see you die, so. <laughs> Bye, Antonius. I should have got bonus dice for that. 
<laughs> but yeah, I guess it played out the same. Anyways. It did play out the same. You didn't need them. Uh, go ahead. And, I know, I know. Yeah. Go ahead and mark uh, one towards learning persuasion, though, Josh. Okay. So good. We're back to being beheaded. Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay. So it's about this time that um, the priest comes. The guy is like short crop blonde hair. His face is serious, um, but young. Like he's he's a pretty young priest. Um, and he he steps up to uh, out of the platform next to you, both um, holding this small book. And he kind of like flips it open dramatically. And he kind of addresses the crowd. He doesn't look at you guys at all. And he addresses the crowd and he says, People of Lucerta, we are gathered here today to witness the justice of the great God. I present to you four criminals convicted of horrible wrongs, and I commend their souls to internal damnation. I, I start crying. The camera pans down to your face, Delon. Mm-hmm. What does Delon look like? I think his eyes are closed, and he's kind of just like nodding slightly and praying. Like he was originally trying to figure out what was going on, and now he's just kind of come to terms with it that it's. Basically, he was like, okay, I thought what I did was okay because I thought it was justified. And now he's like, okay, I understand that it's not. And then I need to, you know, I send and need to pay for it. So mm-hmm. he's kind of at peace with it now. Mm-hmm. He's like closing his eyes. Yeah. He's waiting for it. Okay. So what does he look like features wise? What does his hair color? What does his facial features look like? I just checked this random picture of an awesome looking guy off the internet. So I'll just describe this awesome looking guy off the internet. <laughs> uh, he doesn't have hair because I've, t- okay, we actually have to go over that. So I, according to Burning Wheel, took a trait called tonsured, which meant mm-hmm. I was bald, and it was a statement of being in the military holy order. Mm-hmm. Do you want that to be the same in this world? Am I, is my character bald, or do you have a different symbol that would be outwardly presenting the knightly order? You know, I like that. I like, hair. yeah, I like that as a, a so how all the holy knights be bald. Okay, so in that case, he doesn't have long flowing brown hair like this character does. He's bald. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah. Also then, um, Alphonse, I assume that you still have your hair? <laughs> yeah, I'm only, I was <laughs> okay. only ever a page in a horrible one of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, but he's uh, got a pretty square jaw. He's not a huge guy because he only has two power and three for it, but he's very agile and pretty quick. He's, he's very toned. But he's not huge and he's just kind of sort of average, but you can tell it's, he has decent muscle. And then he, uh, yeah, he has kind of a, a square face. It's totally bald and mm-hmm. he's got a, a head that looks good being bald and i'm like you know it's not like a weird like alien head yeah so <laughs> <laughs> so uh the the priest kind of like looks down at the the book that he's holding and he says tried for crimes against the church holy knight delantan convicted of the murder of a bishop and tried for those crimes under the law of the church. The sentence is beheading. Bye, Dylan. What were you uh, saying, David? I was saying there's pro- it's probably considered heresy or blasphemy or something yeah. to kill a pope or, or not mm-hmm. a bishop. So. But I don't know. The, it would sound more heretical that way, but maybe it was a count of murder and a count of heresy just for good Yeah, time. yeah. And, <laughs> and one count of heretical treason against the church. <laughs> the punishment for which is also beheading, so we have to cut your head off. Twice. Yes. <laughs> so, so the camera pans over to Alphonse. What what does Alphonse look like, Jared? Describe him to us. Jade black flowing hair, mm, swimming pool blue eyes. The jade, jade yeah. black flowing hair. Isn't jade green? No. Is it? No. Yeah. That's emerald. Yeah. yeah. So is jade. jade. <laughs> I was like, wait. Uh, oh, you're not- Green highlights. Yeah, you have green highlights. That's impressive. Yeah. All right, sorry. 
Okay, uh, we have any obsidian black. black. Okay. Jet, oh, jet, jet black. Yeah. There we go. Also, I think, Jared, did you not pick Sean Bean to be your, your real-life counterpart character? I thought of, oh, but he's... Oh, not a joke. He's that more, was my suggestion, but... Yeah, I thought about it, but he's more, uh, brusque and, you know, sport, more, yeah, of a, more of a rough mm-hmm. attractiveness, and I'm more he's of more a, of a serious character. pretty boy yeah. attractiveness. Yes, that yeah. all the girls just fawn over attractiveness. Uh-huh. Both Dylan and Alphonse the same age you're both 29 so and being fathered by the same person means they're twins so. yeah so are they identical twins or apparently not yeah because <laughs> we sound like we're built pretty different okay kind of different so i figured that was mostly just because of uh nurture rather well, than nature yeah that's true yeah i mean we could be i'm fine with that see he looks like he's about to read off the, um alphonse's charges and he looks at alphonse and then looks at him again and just kind of flips to the next page and goes to <laughs> ghost, and then the camera pans over to Cantarius. What what does Cantarius look like? Considering I'm blind, I'm not really sure what I look like. No, I'm kidding. Um, what does it feel like then? <laughs> yeah, he looks middle aged, very grizzled, terrible skin, terrible hair, just terrible. Oh no! And so he's just very unkempt. Blind, so there's that too. I still have my eyes though. You know, promise of blood. Mm-hmm. You know, the the main character in that one, not the uh, maybe it's the main character. The guy on the throne in the, the yep. cover? That's yep. how I look. So, Connor, your your hair color... Uh, Kentarius' hair, hair color is, like, uh, pepper, salt and pepper. So, like, black mixed with gray? Yes. Okay. Can you tell a lot about um, your foreign ancestry? Or or do you look mostly Saran? Kind of. Saran is, like, Italian. Yeah, I, I look mostly. Mostly Saran. So you just have, like, a slant about your so eyes? A couple, yeah, a couple distinctive features that... You can obviously tell that I'm Teco. I want to say Techio. <laughs> it's Tekoni. Tekoni is the term. Um, and, and he reads, Cantarius Tasuki, charged with one count of high treason, sentenced to eternal damnation and beheading. In that um, order. In that order, yes. No. The camera pans over to Antonius, and what does Antonius look like? He is a fairly average height, but abnormally large, uh, bulky. From years like that, curly brown hair, thick brown beard, and really crazy eyebrows. Big so he's like a tall dwarf. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Priest looks down at Antonius's charges, kind of like shakes his head and like tisks a little bit, and he says, "Antonius Ram, charged with reckless endangerment of a member of the nobility, jailbreak." <laughs> <laughs> and he looks at you because you interrupted him. <clears throat> coughs, looks back, jailbreak, five counts of aggravated assaults, attempted prison break, three counts of murder, sentenced to beheading and eternal damnation. And then the priest flips back a page, <clears throat> clears his throat, <sighs> takes, a, takes a breath. Alphonse Tan. <laughs> <laughs> I just giggle lightly to myself, I'm like, oh, you, you guys are in for a treat. <laughs> <laughs> charged with yeah. 131 charges of public drunkenness 132 yeah. charges of indecent exposure why Two- do they keep counting <laughs> 218 charges of adultery oh my gosh count <laughs> We're not done yet. <laughs> 24 charges of conspiracy with underground crime syndicates <laughs> this is now being executed. 
Yeah. <laughs> the Forty-eight charges of revealing sensitive church information. One charge of incest. <laughs> and one charge of aggravated assault on the most holy of men, the supreme pontiff of the church, the honorable Pope. <laughs> wow. Oh, <laughs> uh, Jared. Jared. I'm just like, yeah. wait, he's related to the Pope? Yeah. yeah. We're both oh, in this children. So, so, yeah, the priest kind of closes the wait, book. We don't all die here? No. <laughs> I think when we get to the hell, then I'm going <laughs> to. The priest closes oh, the book and he looks at all of you and he says, May the great God Almighty have mercy on your souls. And, and then you guys know that every single time they always act like they're going to behead all of them. And then they like rethink it. And then it's like, whoa, but then we're going to exonerate one person. Oh, okay. And so and so he 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 like goes to turn away. And then he says, but because our pontifex is a merciful man, the vicar of the great God, he chooses one of the, the criminals, each feast of souls to be exonerated and brought back into the fold of the church as long as he swears fealty to the church of God and commends his soul into the priesthood's care. Can I make a suasion roll to convince everybody that none of us are worthy of that? Sure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest, I'm going to actually have him roll a, an opposed suasion. Okay, fair enough. So we'll probably win because that was a terrible roll. I didn't even get any sixes. Not that it matters. I don't have faith. <laughs> oh, we tied. That's good. Okay, he's so like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Literally, he just said. Actually, no. He wins because he's the defender. Yep. yep. So, so he just kind of like looks at you like, "Do you want to die? Like, are you insane?" He looks back at the crowd. He says, "Because our pontifex is an incredibly merciful man." Incredibly merciful. He has decided to exonerate. He looks at you for dramatic effect. All four prisoners, this feast of souls, provided they commit their souls into the care of the priesthood and swear fealty to the Church of God. May the Pope be blessed forever, as long as he reigns. And he does like. I think the sign that they usually do is like a, a folding out of their hands like this. So he does that holy symbol and then just kind of bows and then like gestures to you, to you all and says, will you commend your souls into the care of the priesthood? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Dylan's face is just like, what? Cause he's like, wait, I thought I understood what was happening. And now, now I'm confused. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't say Honestly, anything. I'm not sure if I would or not. I might just be like, um, no, kill me. <laughs> I'm gonna roll a persuasion check to uh I'm gonna say yes, but I'm gonna do it in such a way to so as to make everyone think I'm a I'm a new man. I think there's an element of persuasion that has to insinuate that it's for their own good. At least that's how we've that's how it's worded in the skills. Um go ahead and just that. make a make a falsehood roll then, Jared. Okay, can instead. I can I add persuasion to falsehood? You may fork it, yes. And can I oh, can I fork right, conspicuous yeah. into oh, that as right. well? Um if you're being extremely like flamboyant. Yeah, yes. that's fine. What a bullcrap wise. Well. Yes, bullcrap yes. <laughs> so that's that's three. So your intent is to convince everyone that you're sincere, basically. Yes, yep. and I'm I'm a new man. He's a new man. Okay, I'm gonna say the obstacle on this is a four. After that list of crimes, <laughs> a four. <laughs> <laughs> I want a twelve. 
It's fine. It's fine, David. All right, you succeeded. No, not okay. Yes. No, not okay. <laughs> this is the thing. The reason he's gotten away with all this stuff is because he's such a charming, suave person. Yeah. So you probably... Okay, Jared, tell me how the Alphonse plays this off. I, I get up and, like, I see the error of my ways through the, through the church's mercy. I, I have now seen the atrocities I've committed for what they are. Horrible blasphemous atrocities and through the through the pope's mercy i shall spend the rest of my life writing these wrongs the villain's face is nice. totally not like contemplative anymore he's just really wishing that the uh, executioner used a sword instead of an axe <laughs> he has no axe skill all right and i think we probably close on that as alphonse like <laughs> is like preach, <laughs> preaching to the masses and we cut we cut for our second break here and then we'll be back in about Five or ten minutes. Stick around, everybody. <laughs> we'll be back shortly. Thank you so much. Coming out of part two of our episode today, I have some more lore to share with you all. I mentioned before that Saragon, the world our characters inhabit, is one that is filled with magic. Let's take a brief dive into just what exactly that means. Most magic in the world of Saragon consists of what is commonly referred to as the Nine Disciplines. These are nine categories of magic that can be used to influence the world with supernatural abilities acting as channels through which magical energy is funneled to achieve a desired effect. They are separated into three groups of three. The first three disciplines are referred to as the material disciplines, and consist of the physical discipline, which you can use to change physical matter, the sensory discipline, which you can use to change a person's perception, and the elemental discipline, which can be used to manipulate the four forms of matter, solids, liquids, gases, and plasmas, or energy. The second group of three are the ultramaterial disciplines, and consist of the influential discipline, which can induce a change in emotions, the intellectual discipline, which can induce a change in thought, and the essential discipline, which can be used to manipulate life and death. The last group, and the most rare, are the supernal disciplines. First, the spatial discipline, which can be used to cause a disruption in space. Second, the continuous discipline, which is used to cause disruptions in time. And lastly, the potential discipline, which involves the manipulation of force. Magic in Saragon is tied to heritage, and the propensity for magic is typically passed down from generation to generation, though technically all individuals, with only one group of notable exceptions, have the possibility of manifesting magical ability. Magical potential is latent in an individual until some sort of dramatic change in their life, usually involving trauma of some sort, brings it out of them. Once magic has manifested, it is usually relatively weak until the magically inclined individual seeks out what is called a source, something or someone that is used as a well of magical energy. Magic users are typically divided along these lines, labeled by where their energy comes from. The most common type of magic user in Saran is called a favored, and they get their magic directly from the gods, or as the Serrano would say, the patron saints. There is much more to discover about the nine disciplines and their uses, 
as well as how we use them in the Burning Wheel rules, but we'll save that for a later lore dump, and for the campaign itself. Let's continue to our last part of today's episode. This is Crow Inquisitors. back with the brain wheel the camera fades back in as um all of you are led away from the grounds um to the mixed celebration of the crowd some of them really wanted to see you guys die whether or not for personal reasons or because they just wanted a good show and so they're kind of muttering to themselves some of them are like kind of flapping as as you guys are led away by by some guards who came and you are led away from the prison to like the church that's basically right next door to the prison you're kind of led in, in into the the center for your area and you can see like the the symbols of of the different patron saints on the walls um as they are in most churches your footsteps echo in the vaulted chambers and the priest is the head of this procession and you're kind of surrounded by guards you're, you're led to like an uh, a small room off to the side of the main church sanctuary or whatever and there is a a man sitting inside with um blood red robes this is not common in some religions. It might be, but like it, it's not. Uh, most of the time, the the various priests and theologians and clergymen and inquisitors, all those people, just wear kind of subdued hues, um, mostly browns or blacks or grays or whatever. It's not sacrilegious. It's just not common, except with the um, higher ranks, like the bishops and stuff like that, because they they tend to wear like kind of colorful clothing because they can, um, and they have expensive dyes and whatnot, but. This particular hue just seems to be rather garish and rather, like, in your face. Um, you've never seen a robes quite like it before. This man is has, like, the, the classic bald, shaved head. He has, like, piercing green eyes. He, he looks at all of you, like, in turn, with just a very calm, taking-all-of-you-at-once face that just seems kind of, like, bore into you. He kind of, like, gestures to some seats that are laid out in the middle of the room, and he's, like, right near, like, a, uh, like a desk. And with like a scroll out in front of him. I sit right next to Delin. I don't think I'm sitting. I stand I'm right next to Delin. Gantarius, Antonius? I'm going to cooperate, do whatever they want. At this point, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd, probably, I'd probably collapse at, like on a chair. Like not sure how to handle this. It's at this point that Antonius realizes that after all of his trouble, all he had to do was let them execute him and they would have just let him go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. I think I believe that someone heard my plea from the podium. Oh, okay. <laughs> someone heard, they listened. Even this is as terribly corrupt as I believed it was. Delon, actually, you do recognize that he has the little sash of an Inquisitor. Though the robes are very different, um, he does have that traditional sash, so you, you recognize him through that. Cantarius and Antonia sit down, and he gestures to Delon and Alphonse. He's like, please, sit. We have much to discuss. And his look is like one that should be obeyed without question. Like, he's very used to giving orders and, and receiving obedience. Okay. In that case, then Della nods and he sits. And I sit right next to him. The man kind of cracks his knuckles and looks at you all. And he says, my name is Vada Frey. I am the Scarlet Inquisitor. And at that, you do recognize the name, Delon. He's a foreign, actually, man from uh, a nearby, like, city-state that's Garrick in, in culture. 
He was brought into the church when he was about like 12 or so. He has the accent of that region still because he, he was he was like raised in a monastery near the border. But you, you recognize that name and, and, and his story because he's kind of a, a little bit of a famous person. Um, yeah. But you, you haven't seen the robes before. The robes are, are, are new and you haven't heard of them either. Kind of takes in all of you and looks you over and he says, I suppose you are wondering why you were exonerated. The um, scumbags that you are. I slam my fist into the table and say, why did you spare us? Um, how much is Cantarius getting out of all of this? Because he's blind. How is it different from your perspective? All of this that's been happening so far. I mean, I can't see, so that's probably the main difference. <laughs> yeah, but how does, <laughs> how does that change your perception? What are you focusing on through all of this? Probably his voice, I imagine, if it's your sense of hearing, and he apparently has a very demanding yeah. voice. You don't recognize the red Connor or the the sash of the Inquisitor. You have no idea who this person is. You just know that they are. I mean, you know he's an Inquisitor now because he told you, but like you, you just know that they're very yeah. demanding. <laughs> so okay. he says, you were exonerated because it is of interest to the church to have such as you, where we can conveniently use you. Well, that was very blatant. Sir, thank you for saving us. May I now return to my family, please? My family and my shop. <laughs> he smiles and chuckles lightly. He says, "No, you will not. Why be not? You will not be returning no. to your family anytime soon. The church has use of you, and if you would object uh, to this, you can still be beheaded. The executioner still awaits. You have sworn fealty to I- the church, my friend." This inc- includes certain um, responsibilities. I open my mouth to say something. And I've then done I just, nothing wrong. I just stop. How much are we getting paid? You are getting paid with your life. Mm, I want more. He literally goes up to you and he slaps you across the face. And he says, you will shut up, you scare. I am in charge here. I'm like, ow, oh, that hurt. And he looks, he looks at you, Antonius, and he says, you have done everything wrong. You have blasphemed against the church with the even mention. You'll need the possibility of not serving it. You will not go back to your family. You will serve as much as I will it. And then when none of you say anything, he kind of like coughs. <clears throat> Come in. Someone else comes in, another uh, a priest. And he looks at you, just kind of like inquisitively, like studying your faces. Like, and, and he he has like spectacles, um, and he seems like be a very like kind of quiet, reserved sort of person. And he goes up to you, Antonius, and he kind of like touches your chest like that, and he goes, "Hmm, yes, I do think it will work, Father. It better work. How long do you think it will take? Hmm, no more than an hour, I should guess, unless there are complications." Make sure there are none. And if there are, I suppose, kill the loud one. That's Dylan, right? (laughs) (laughs) Who hasn't said a whole word to this entire exchange. Yeah. Literally, like, right before you said that he slapped him, I was like, I grabbed Alphonse's head and slammed it to the table and yelled at him. And then I was like, oh, never mind. He just slapped him. I guess that works. But David, we're brothers. (laughs) I am concerned now. That was saved, and now nothing's going right. So Avada, the Skeleton Inquisitor, leaves, and this, this bespectacled man in front of you just kind of starts, like, probing you and just kind of, like, touching you and kind of, like, squeezing your muscles a little bit, shaking you a bit. He says, hmm, yes. Mm, I say at least take him out yes. to dinner first. Jeez. 
And he looks at you and just looks back. And he says, all right, we will start with you, blacksmith. And what he, are you going to do to me? He, he like folds his hands and starts like praying under his under his breath. He, he's just kind of muttering, wrote, wrote scripture and stuff like that and wrote prayers. And then he, he kind of like breathes in touches your chest and a soft like glow emits from his hand and like envelops you and i yell and start saying i want to be executed i want to be executed but you can't see it i can't see it that's a good point i mean you feel it connor you feel this hum of energy okay yeah i imagine you can probably hear it too yeah what do i feel you feel a vibration in your very being. Like, you didn't know that you had that deep of a place in yourself, but, like, the deepest parts of you are, like, vibrating. Oh, my. Okay. And then he, he finishes, takes his hand away, and there's nothing. He steps up to you, Cantarius, and he does the same thing. No, I, I, I pull away and say, I would rather be executed. I will not be a dog for the church. And then he turns around. Laugh. <laughs> he just laughs. Yeah. <laughs> like that's he doesn't bother explaining why he laughs. The priest like looks at you, looks at your blind eyes. And obviously you can't see him looking at your blind eyes, but you feel his gaze on you. And he says, You are a dog of the church, whether you want it or not. I would stay still. It makes it hurt less. And then he presses his hand against your chest. So can I can I roll a doctrine to see what because I don't think that the Holy Book refers to anybody as the dog of the church. So I want to use the doctrine roll to see what they refer to them as. Um, to be honest, I don't think there's even a role here. I think you okay. just make it up because you know a lot about doctrine. All right. I mean, this guy presumably isn't a believer of the religion. So, right. I mean, I guess I wouldn't know that, but I assume they have different terms for that. Like, you wouldn't be a dog of the church. He'd, or I guess in this, this is supposed to be like he is becoming a believer, right? Basically, yeah, he is. He is. Now. He is becoming a like servant of the church yeah right so i don't know i what do they what would they call that just a disciple or something like that or like a i don't know a um, vessel or something a vessel like let's let's do a vessel okay inquisitor so i think dylan peeps up he's like technically he's a vessel not a dog of the church i'm Can not sure such a derogatory term is appropriate for the holy lord uh, the holy lord's own establishment what, what do you say jared or can you? connor become an actual steel inquisitor since he doesn't have eyes I am totally for that. Wow, that would—that's disturbing. That would also be ruthless plagiarism, but <laughs> yeah, he'll become an Iron Inquisitor. <laughs> now this, now it's just a parody. It's fine. Uh, yeah. You feel this warm glow envelop you, then, Cantarius. Does he not respond to being corrected? <laughs> uh, no. So again, you feel that echo, that deepest part of yourself, like vibrating. What would you respond to that with? Probably screaming. <laughs> okay, this seems appropriate. Am I familiar with the spell at all? Like, have I seen him, anybody do anything like that? Uh, I mean, you could roll a nine disciplines wise if you wanted to. Obviously, you don't have it, but you could learn it just to see if you do. Right. Sure. What's that going to be? Perception. Right. I don't suppose doctrine has anything about magic and the doctrinal stuff, is there? Um, No. Mm -mm. Uh, Obstacle? I imagine it's pretty um, it's, it's a graduated test, so just set it at one, and then depending oh. on how many successes you get, it will... Not one, apparently. Oh, oh wait. Why was it, why was it two? Because oh, it, uh, it doubles, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you Not you recognize... Know you know it's magic, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You do know that, I mean, it's it's common for various priests to be favored, as they're called, um, and the favored are basically those who get their magic from the patron saints. So when he was praying, he was, like, communing with with his chosen patron saint and asking okay. him for magic, basically. So that's, that's all you get from that. Okay, yeah. 
so after Connor, uh, Cantarius is done screaming, um, we, we go over to Alphonse and he, he kind of looks you over and, and says, I doubt this is even worth it for you. And then he presses his hand under your chest. This guy is just so insulting. <laughs> I think Dylan is like physically pained that Alphonse is getting whatever this is. And then I, I look at him like, I, I'm honored by this gift you are giving me. I will use it to further the church. I have seen the error in my ways, Sir Priest. He looks at you, chuckles, chuckles more violently, and then eventually he starts like, it's quiet, but he's, he's, he's basically full-on maniacal villain laughing. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and then I start, I start laughing with him. <laughs> he stops immediately. He says, you are a fool. And then he moves on to you, Dylan. What is the, uh, what did you say the gesture was that they use when they do things? The folded hands outward. Okay, Dylan does that as he approaches, like waiting for it. The priest looks at you inquisitively, kind of adjusts his spectacles, and he says, I am sorry, holy knight. And then he presses his hand in your chest. <laughs> and you feel the same sensation. Wait till it ends, and then he's like, one must never apologize for doing the Lord's work. He says, I don't know what you've given me, but... I thank you for it, regardless. He looks at you with, like, almost an expression of pity on his face, and then he leaves. <laughs> Great. And Vada Frey comes back in, and he looks you over, and he's like, very good, very good. None of you have died in the process. Sometimes they do. We seem to have perfected it, for the most part. No, and nods like that makes total sense. I like, see. yeah, obviously, if you're enough scum, you'll die. And then he's I, like, but why yeah. did enough die? <laughs> <laughs> I ask if he's trying to deter our loyalty. If he's trying to make us turn against them. He looks you up and down, and he says, It is now impossible for you to betray the church, unless you want to die in a horrible, horrible way. And then he barks an order, and then a screaming man is brought into the little chamber that you guys are in. Looks like some slave. And you see the after effects of the glow still on him. He gets thrown down to the ground, and Vada Frey... Basically, it does something that you don't recognize. It's like some sort of, like he, he's facing away from you guys. And so he does some sort of gesture or something. You see him move, but then suddenly the man starts glowing more and more fiercely. And Vada Frey steps aside and you see the man on the ground, like convulsing. And then slowly the bits and pieces of himself slowly just separate outward. And it's just like masses of giblets and blood and bone just uh, separating nice. outward and then it all collapses in a pile and it's just this pile of gore it collapses that in a pile yeah horrifying thank you Caleb. and and he looks oh, at no. he looks at all of you and he says if you betray the church you die welcome to the priesthood wow no, so that's why people <laughs> follow the church <laughs> <laughs> what has cantarius uh, gotten out of all of this I mean, you heard screaming and yeah, expansion yeah. outward. You said you have the sense uh, of discipline, so you probably feel you know ripples of magic or yeah, something. You said that when he cast that spell, he was doing the whole prayer thing, so he got that spell from a deity, right? Or from, a, from a, a patron saint, yeah. Right. So presumably, if like I, I mean, I guess you don't have to tell us this because we wouldn't know. But as as a player, because obviously my character won't know, then if that patron deity decided or patron, patron saint decided that that spell he didn't want it to kill somebody that it was cast on i assume he could just detract that right assume he could detract it because i mean like Dylan's whole thing is like if he's doing something 
against what the priests say in favor of something that he that the patron saint or the holy god wants then he'll do that and in that case he would i assume he would be confident that he would be safe from the spell just because the person who cast it is weaker than the person who gave him the strength to cast it at least in his mind is that would that be an accurate statement like for just like, in general the way that things work Actually, no, it wouldn't, because what you're doing when you're um, when you are favored is basically you ask the god for a like a charge of magic, and he mm-hmm. gives it to you. And once it's yours, you can do whatever you want with it, and the deity has no say over it. Okay, but and so, he wouldn't have the ability to counteract that if he wanted to. I mean, he could. He yeah. could directly intervene, but that's yeah, like that's a right. separate thing. It, it, like he's he's right. Yeah, it's not that right, he has. He could do that, but like again, it's not like he has like his touch and all of the magic that comes out from him right. at all. Once it's gone, it's gone. It's not like it's yeah. specifically tied to him at that point. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, what, what are you all do? Uh, yeah, I dislike this church is evil. The Scarlet Inquisitor looks at you and he says, mm, "Evil, good. God has no concept of morality as we see it. God is above all. We do the will of God." The will of God is always good. You do the will of demons. He 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 looks, at, he looks at you with fire in his eyes. You, you want to punch Cantarius? Wait, no, I don't. He has a really good brawling. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Connor <laughs> Cantarius would. I, own I you. smack him. <laughs> I'm doing it. I, I I turn to him and I smack him. Uh, Cantarius, how does he respond to that? Um, with violence. And I'm like, how he dare you speak ill man. of the church? Well, he has to roll for that, correct? That's complete bullcrap. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Can I do a persuasion slap? No. <laughs> I'm, persu- I'm doing the slap no, not so much to no, him as to no, persuade Garen. the dude. No, Garen. <laughs> persuasion What about slap. bull crap? Why? No. It's a bull crap. No. I'm just, You're doing just a brawling roll. Correct. Darn it. Yep, it's just brawling. Um, no modifiers. I'm assuming you already put that in. Unless you want to fork anything in. No. Do you have anything to fork? Um, intimidation? Mm, no. Anatomy. Okay, well, what are, what are you doing, Connor? What is the intent of wrist lock, probably. Okay. I have a six in anatomy. No, you're just, you just, you're just adding one. one. If you had a seven, um, you would get two. But you can't start with a seven. Apparently. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. So my modifier is now one. Yep. Okay. Artha, I'm assuming, is nothing. Yep. Yep. So Jared, roll a Base obstacle. <laughs> roll a brawling one. Okay. Roll against a one. Okay. I, don't, I don't think I have brawling is one. Yeah, you have one. You have a one in brawling. Uh, What's the challenge? Um, against his four successes. Just roll it against the one, and then so it'll... four. No, just put it around. It's a one. Okay. Yeah, and then we'll just count. You're incapacitated. <laughs> oh, so so literally because you have those wounds still, you physically cannot do that. Like it doesn't work. So I, I physically can't brawl. Yeah, so so you're you're so, like basically you try to slap him and you just like double over because you're like oh, oh. <laughs> can I uh can I do a it's just, like it's just the funniest <laughs> thing it's just like you're incapacitated like yeah. <laughs> can I still yell at him you to punch. Yeah, that's yeah. Great. so no like go. uh Cantarius Con- gets you into a wrist lock oh can I still yell at him I mean sure yeah I'm like how dare you question the church that has given you a, a second chance at redemption <laughs> can I do persuasion. Ah, uh, sure. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna add bullcrap, falsehood, and um, it's against his will. Conspicuous. So. Your will. Up. Your will is three. Conspicuous. Not conspicuous. Okay. 
And I'm also trying to persuade the uh, the priest as well, in addition to Connor. To do what? To convince him that uh, I'm completely honest and on board with this and ready to fulfill my new life. Okay, all right. Well, it's going to be a separate, it's not going to be a separate role, but like okay. it's going to go separately against his will, which is four, so. So two uh. modifiers. No, Artha. East. Bang. Nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so you convince both of them. So the, the, the Inquisitor kind of like nods appreciatively and Kantikarius, how does he respond? So he is convincing me that the church is good? No, I'm convincing you to be a little more grateful since you're not dead. I want to die. Why? Mm-hmm. But Connor, live. So, so maybe Connor, maybe Cantarius thinks of the fact that now he, he can what? Like, why would he be? I'll just go to the belief that uh, that we talked about earlier. Yeah, that's not on there yet. Okay. And and we'll we'll go through the beliefs at the end of this session. We forgot to do it at the at the first, but I think that was fine because we're introducing all the characters as well. So yeah, um, we even have all of our beliefs. Like I didn't yeah. have all of our. Mm-hmm. How does Cantarius exactly respond, though, Connor? I silently just let go of him. Vadafrey looks at you all and he says, Any other objections? At this point, I've seen horror and I'm not willing to let that be me, so no, I'm not going to object. <laughs> you don't want to be shake my head. bubbled into, whole, uh, into pieces. No, I don't want to be bubbled into pieces. David, how do you react to my... Uh... My profession of faith. I doubt he's convinced. I mean, like, he, I think he knows you well enough that he's like, yeah, it was, you know, it's not like you haven't done this, what was it, 300 times before? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure he's familiar enough with it that he, like, doesn't even really listen. Like, he might have been more convinced if he'd let himself listen to it, but I don't think he even is paying attention. Okay. Because okay. he's just, I mean, like, he, he's so solidly just believing that that's the case that I don't think he's even listening to other statements. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think Dylan just steps up. And he's like, "When do I get my sword back?" <laughs> and he smiles, but being like, "I'm ready." Like, when do uh-huh. I get my sword? Yeah, he he smiles and he says, "Hmm, eager." I see, young Dylan. Well, I suppose there's no time to waste. It's not like you have any other things planned for your afternoon. He kind of like folds his hands in front of him, sits down at the desk. He says. We will be telling the general populace, as we do with every exoneration, that you are being brought to a monastery to be trained in the ways of the church. That is not what you will be doing. I am sending you on a mission for the church. A mission to prove yourselves as servants, as, uh, looks at you, Dellen, vessels, to show your quality. No objections, no... Fits of anger, no protestations against the church and its justice. You forgot sarcastic remarks. <laughs> okay, so so he kind of like, oh, yeah. he, he stands up and he says, Your weapons will be given to you. Your tools will be given to you. I, I trust that you would use all of your might and all of your skill to aid the church where necessary. I do trust, and then he looks at Dellen, that you will not kill each other in the process. For if you do, that will be a condition to cause your expiration. And he kind of points to the pile of gore. Dylan pauses and he's like, except that this was, this was to ensure our service to the church. If killing another member of the party is deemed to be in service to the church, is that not acceptable? <laughs> he smiles and he says, 
Just run it by me first. He nods. What about castration? <laughs> he he kind of like narrows his eyes and he's like, Do you, did you actually say that? Maybe. <laughs> I don't say specifics, but I say, what about, you know, mutilation? <laughs> mutilation. <laughs> I mean, castration. Like if I threw a rock at Dylan's head. Like what I just did with Jared. Jared went to slap me and I stopped him and put him in a wrist lock. Mm. Why didn't both of us just die? He says, did I say anything about maiming or injuring? Death is the penalty yeah. for death. Dylan laughs. He's like, oh, I see. I know. That's good to know. But, and he goes to like turn away, but then he turns back and he says, but I would not recommend maiming your companions so easily, for they are all the help that you will get to accomplish this task. And if the task is not accomplished, all of you will die. I look around and say, so leave my boys alone. <laughs> oh my goodness. Dylan shakes his head when he says that they're all you're having. He's like, I think the Lord, the Holy God is a better ally than, than three criminals. And then he just kind of turns around to leave. I, I say that demons would be better allies. He, he talks to, to all of you and he says, God has willed you for chosen. So be it as it may. Vodafrey leaves the, the, the chamber and you guys are all just left like looking at each other. What do you do? David kills me. I feel like I'd kill Alphonse. <laughs> Connor, no. <laughs> Connor, no, wait, wait for me until I have my sword. No, he literally just said, like, you, you can't kill I know, each I'd other. I'd be cool with it, though. My oh, dying breath. Dang it. I think a mass murderer like that. I'm not a mass murderer. Yeah, you know what I mean, though. But I haven't murdered anyone. Mass criminal. Do you guys do anything specifically while you're standing there looking at each other? Because if you hesitate uh, for a few moments, then some guards come in. I mean, I was hoping to go get my weapons, but he, I don't know, he indicated that I had to do something specific to get them. Okay, so you guys stand around for just a little bit, and then guards come in, and then they kind of, like, lead you away to an, uh, like, basically, like, another room of the church, and all of your stuff that was taken from you, or not all of your stuff, but, like, some of your stuff is, is given back to you, so... <gasps> is Tiddlywinks then? No, Tiddlywinks is not there, I'm sorry. Um... Uh. <laughs> Josh, you just face <laughs> Who is who is doing like, You will find out. I did it too. <laughs> um, yeah, Jared. Nothing is given to you except for oh. clothes. Oh, that's so sad. They just give you clothes and shoes. Okay. So at least they are kind enough to give me the shoes. Connor, they give Kentarius clothes, alchemy toolkit, mending toolkit, and yeah, that's it. Oh, hey, alchemy toolkit. Fun. Indeed. Very fun. Dellen, you are given your, your plate mail, your superior quality longsword, your war horse, actually, your holy book, your shoes, and your traveling gear. Okay. So I don't get my clothes? Y- you get your clothes. No. You don't get your finery. <laughs> well, I don't have clothes. I only have finery. Fine. That's fine. What did you have, Antonius? You get, you get a run-of-the-mill knife. And your clothing, shoes, mending toolkit, writer's toolkit, lockpick toolkit. And, yep, that's it. I don't get my angsty teen son. I mean, you, ha- you still have your angsty teen son. Just... He's just not there with you. They don't yeah. give him back to you from your repossessed possession. Oh, okay. They don't pull okay. him out of the bag. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're given all this stuff, um, and each of you is actually also given a horse. Uh, Dylan is given his specific horse, but the rest of you are just giving like, a riding horse. Do they have a camel? No. And so after you guys are kind of like all like outfitted and whatnot, Vodafrey comes back and you're like in the stable 
basically ready to go. Like the the guards and the the priests or whatever that like have helped you get all ready to go are basically like implying that you're just gonna leave like now to go do this without much warning. You um, named the Pope's daughter Epona. What? Oh, I did. Yeah, you named her Epona. That's the name of the horse from Zelda. No, it's Ipona. Is sort of how you pronounce oh. it in okay. her Funny. name. Oh, and and the Pope is Elon. Where are all these people? They're on my relationships thing. Uh, <laughs> That's what I yeah. spent all my points on. Why does your character have a relationship with the Pope? Mine doesn't. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and it just means you're going to have the roll circles to find him. So Vada Frey comes back to you. You're in the stables um, getting ready to go or whatever. And he comes back and he says, A few more things to know before you head off. Don't get lost. And there will be another waiting for you. Another vessel. He has also been imbued with the same condition. Condition. He will be joining you. But yeah, so he, he basically like tells you where to go. Uh, it's, it's like a, a small fishing village about two days ride away from Lucerta down the coast. So towards the, uh, the Shoei Empire, which is basically like a Chinese analog in this world. He basically says, you are being sent to find who in this village has betrayed the church and has committed heresy. There is a cult of sorts starting that does not believe the patron saints are worthy of honorance. This cannot be tolerated. They must be dealt with swiftly and surely, and this will be your first task. Do not fail us, or else all of you will have forfeited your life twice over. He raises his finger, he's like, when Alphonse inevitably gives you reason to patch with him, how, how do I go about letting you know? An eloquently worded letter will do. Alright, he just nods. He basically says, on with you, like... Get out of my he sight. He knows that it's not like an immediate... He can't do it from far away, apparently. Or at least he needs to be notified of it. He has no inherent sense of when he's been betrayed. You may think Congress. that you know that. Oh, oh, interesting. I mean, not that that was really Dylan's main intention, but I think he was interested to know, because he doesn't always follow the church's rules. Mm -hmm. So, there's that too. Hey, Mr. Goody-Goo-Shoes yeah. over there, you mean? <laughs> no, yeah, he's, he's not. I mean, he killed... A bishop, because he thought it was better than not killing the bishop. He doesn't always follow the rules. <laughs> How does this heading off to the village look like? Was the uh, the, well, po the Pope's house on the way? No, darn. The Pope's house. The Pope's house is in the city you're in right now. Mm. He also says to you, "And no detours." Mm, but diddly wings. Oh, diddly wings. Why? Uh, okay, he actually gives you an escort of guards to make sure you leave the city. <laughs> uh, I have a war horse, which means mine is significantly worse at traveling over riding horses, so I'll probably be in the back because everyone else's horse is going to be much more fit for that. <laughs> but yeah, he just kind of gets on his horse and starts riding away. He He's just trying to keep himself from getting himself killed by killing Alphonse. Mm. I'm going to <laughs> snag Ellen before he gets on his horse. Okay, he stops. Stare him down, and I'm going to use Intimidate. And I'm going to tell him, don't you dare kill Alphonse before we've got this figured out. <laughs> I uh, don't thanks, man. to die. You want to make a roll? Sure. Okay. And yeah, a roll against his will, which is six, unfortunately. Uh, can, I, can I add to his thing? Yeah, you can help. Yes. Okay. Persuasion. Do you have Intimidate, Jared? Nope. 
Do you have I a haven't... skill that would help? Maybe. Persuasion? With nothing. Depends on what you're doing, Jared. You have to specify like how you you're to helping. You find a skill to help with, yeah. I'm persuading him to believe in Antonius's scariness. Yeah, okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to intimidate him. Probably not great, but it's, it's worth a shot, worth a shot, yeah. I think. And then I don't think I have anything else to fork in. I mean, blacksmith, because blacksmith's so intimidating, right? <laughs> no, that's, that's not, that doesn't quite qualify as a fork. Alright, and then it's an opposed roll, so no base obstacle. No, uh, base obstacle is six, actually, because it's, it's not opposed. He's, it's, you're just yeah, rolling against his will, which okay. is six. That's good. Ah. Uh, Ouch. Oh look, you failed. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's a challenge. Oh, but that is a challenging test. So it is. You got a good test for that. But this is the thing. Since that's a challenging test, their failure for this needs to be pretty like there needs to be consequences for the fact that you just failed this intimidation rule. So how does Delon respond? Basically he just kinda takes a deep breath and he's like, Alphonse is perfectly capable of killing himself in this situation. I will only be sure that it happens. The the holy god will see to it that justice is served. As much as I would like it to be by my hand, I will accept a partial involvement. You have no reason to attempt to threaten me. He goes to like turn him back on his horse and he stops, he turns back, and then he's like, he looks at him and he's like, I don't appreciate threats, especially not from criminals. And then he goes and like mounts his horse and uh, straps his sword on and all that kind of stuff. Straps sword to the horse, I mean. So you do realize that you're a criminal too, right, David? Ooh. Yeah, but he doesn't see it that way. Because he's... Criminal does. Yeah, well, I mean, I know. <laughs> he, he sees it as that okay. God decides what was a crime or not. It's just, you know, the law says it was, but okay. God has a better word than that. And in his, from his point of view, what he did was basically in an exception of that. In his point of view, that was why he wasn't killed. He wasn't killed because he, he's taking that as a sign from the Holy God that he did the right thing in killing Bishop. Obviously, the law said he committed a crime because he killed the guy. But in he doesn't really care as long as he's under the impression that his god doesn't think that. And he is. So he doesn't consider himself a criminal. So I go up to Antonius and I, I was trying to like, hey, are you are you going to take that? You kind of need to establish who's in charge right away or else things could get bad. So you're going to roll you're going to roll persuasion to ha- try to make Antonius take a leadership role. Against David. Okay, alright, that's interesting. <laughs> the first thing you need to do is make an inconspicuous roll while I roll observation, which I don't have, apparently. Jared, do you have any skills for being inconspicuous or quiet? or anything? <laughs> I have conspicuous. Yeah, that doesn't help. <laughs> Jared, go ahead and roll an untrained inconspicuous. What did, what did David get? I got three. You got a three? Okay. Both of ours will double because they're untrained, so we might as well not worry about it. Yeah, so don't worry about it. Right, so, so, no modifiers... You failed, so David notices. I totally hear you. But, uh, okay, so I, sh- I need to roll the persuasion for Antonius still. Your intent is to persuade him to take a, re- a leadership role against David. Yes. Antonius, would you actually do that if he succeeded on this role? I'm not sure. You believe you're always right. That's true. So, yes, if, if Jared backs me up, I'm totally going for this. Well, I mean, I didn't completely disagree with you either. I was just like... I was basically like, yeah, I know I'm not going to kill him myself. I'm just going to get him killed via himself. So, like, he didn't directly disagree with you. Mm-hmm. But yep. He did kind of challenge you in saying that, you know, I'm not going to take your threat. Are you going to accept that? Yes. Josh? Okay, cool. So, go ahead and roll that against a free will. Okay. Am I? Do I still get minus one because I'm yep. free? Oh. 
which remember we have to make a, a health test to, to recover from that once you okay finish so can i add anything to my persuasion um anything you think would help what do you what specifically uh, bull crap wise so you're making it I don't, I don't know if that really counts though like okay. you're literally just persuading him you're, you're literally just doing a straight persuasion you're saying I think you should do this because it benefits okay. you. Uh, so based on obstacle three. Or he could be like, he could totally think that uh, uh, Josh is, Antonius is like the worst leader ever. And then he's, but he's, so he's using bullcrap wise to like say oh. he's so much better than David's character. And he probably doesn't know enough about it to make that distinction, but he, he succeeded anyway. He succeeded anyway. Yeah. So, so how does Antonius respond to that then? No, I gotta figure that out. Oh, yeah. So you did say that that, that giant difference in the intimidation thing should have an effect. Would that effect be that he's not willing to try and stand up for my character since it was such a gap there? Or that my I mean yeah, I I have a lot yeah, probably lost self confidence because of the failed intimidation. So maybe you believe him, you're like, yeah you're right, but you're not like Yeah but you're not gonna take any action right now. That's fine, that's fine. That's that's cool to see that the power dynamics already had in play here. Yeah, and then, and then I, I go over to Connor and whisper the same thing. Yeah, and Dellen heard that. So, so I just look down at Alphonse and I'm like, "Remember, brother, mutilation is still on the table." And then I just kind of kick my horse and ride off. Okay, um, I think that might be a good place to kind of start wrapping things up. Do you want to real quick, um, Alphonse? Does does he try to like seek healing or something like that before he leaves, or do you want yes. to make a straight health test? This is the thing, okay, so you could receive treatment, and that would give you a bonus to your health test. Okay. Or you could just do a health test and try to I see. I mean, would, the obstacle. would they not treat me before? Mm, no, they didn't. Oh, they didn't I mean, like, and I, I think, obviously... It's only an ob two. Okay. It's only an ob two. Do you, what is your health? Four. I would probably just make the straight health test. Okay. Well, I think Dylan's leaving right now, and they're still just going to get you, and I don't think he would let them What's the to a doctor. Two? Like, you'd have to go of your own accord. And that might make the two. Yeah, yeah, it's against two. Nice, ease, sweet. All right, so go ahead and mark that routine health test then. Cool. All right, so that means the uh, the pain fades immediately. So basically, so so you ride on and you make camp like when it reaches nightfall. So you're kind of like at like a distance from the city, and Jared rests that night and he he recovers fine. So you, you, the bruises are still kind of there, but they don't really hurt and it's fine. You recover quickly from that kind of stuff. Like you're so, really drunk? Yes. To celebrate. Okay. Almost done with today's episode. The last segment of the show today is the way we end every session of Crow Inquisitors, handing out Artha by referring to each character's beliefs, instincts, and traits. I'll explain these concepts briefly now. A character's beliefs, usually they have three of them, are statements that tell us something they believe about the world around them and what they're going to do about it. If we continue with our example character from earlier, a good belief for them would be My quest is of dire importance. 
I will convince my friend to join me in my task. This tells us something the character believes in strongly and what they want to accomplish to see it through. Beliefs exist to give the game master, me in this case, direction about what your character cares about in the game. If the player from our example had that belief, it would be my job to put obstacles in the way to keep them from reaching it. Or, if I'm feeling particularly sinister that day, give them reasons why following that belief is more complicated than they thought. During a session, we'll play out the drama of characters attempting to follow their beliefs, and me as the GM attempting to hinder and challenge them. If a character works towards accomplishing their belief, they are awarded a fate point at the end of the session. If a character completes their belief by accomplishing the task portion, they earn a persona point, and now can rewrite the second portion of their belief to accomplish something else related to that belief about the world. If our example player completed their belief and convinced their friend to join them on their quest, they might rewrite their belief to say, My quest is of dire importance. We will gather the supplies we need to make the journey. The next step of their belief is now in motion, and if they achieve that goal, they can earn another persona point. Beliefs can always be rewritten from the ground up, and often change completely from session to session. Instincts are things your character does instinctually, or without thinking about it. Instincts can be positive, such as always carry a knife on me, allowing a character to always have a knife on them unless I as the game master make a special point of having a non-player character search their person for hidden weapons. They can also be negative, such as never let an insult go unchallenged. A character doesn't always have to play into their instinct, but if a character has an instinct that could get them into trouble, like the one I just mentioned, and they act on it in the game and make play more interesting, they are awarded a fate point at the end of the session. Instincts are usually written as always, never, or if-then statements. Like beliefs, you can rewrite instincts at any time. Traits come in all shapes and sizes, such as character traits, which are simply words that describe how your character looks or behaves, die traits, which provide bonus dice or increased obstacles to certain actions or situations, and call-on traits, which can be used to reroll all failed dice on one test a session with a certain skill or stat. When a trait gets a character into trouble or complicates the story, they are awarded a fate point. Unlike beliefs and instincts, traits are permanent fixtures of a character and can only be changed through powerful magic or through a trait vote. We'll talk about them at the end of the season. There are other ways that you can be awarded fate and persona points, and we still haven't talked about the third type of Artha, deeds points, but those can all wait for another time. For now, let's go to our breakdown of the character's beliefs, instincts, and traits, and see what they got. And let's go ahead and start with you, David. I don't have all of my beliefs, but yeah, I don't have... And that's fine. You can fill in one uh, right now if you wanted to, if you wanted to get a fate point for something that happened in this session. That's totally fine. Ko's uh, beliefs are... The first one is, the gods have minds above ours and are to be trusted above all others. I guess that should be the change now, because it's only one. Uh, and then... I will seek their divine purpose in this situation. So that was just kind of a vague, I actually have to have a belief for being in a okay work. Yeah, and that's fine. Even though that was vague, uh, I'm pretty sure you still got a fate for that because you okay. were trying to seek to seek their divine purpose in this situation. So uh, it says, my second one is Alfonso will pay for what he did to our sister, even if I have to kill him myself. And you absolutely got fate for that one because <laughs> you tried to stab <laughs> him. Uh, and then I have, the last one, I have been entrusted with a holy task and I'll keep the ruffians assigned to it in line, which was based off of what the path of. Of trying to assert myself. Yeah, go ahead and take care for that. Any. And then instincts never go unarmed under any circumstance. That didn't even get you into trouble, so. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, if I am to kill a man, I will do it honorably whenever possible, which I didn't have to kill anybody. So. 
I uh, never leave a word against the gods unchallenged. I don't think that got me in trouble. I did it, but I don't think it got me in trouble. Character traits, disciplined. I don't have that. That's really actually not very accurate. <laughs> but oh well. Uh, and then that's I fine. Can, like that can be a trait that we vote off at the end of the yeah, scenario. Yeah, yeah. So uh, faithful. It's obviously not going to be voted off. Mark of privilege didn't cause any problems. Concert didn't cause any problems. Fearless didn't cause any problems. Yeah. So just three faith for uh, your beliefs then. Um, Alphonse, yes. let's go ahead and look at your stuff. Did you want to fill in that last, um, or that first belief there? Um, I'm just as good as Delon, and I'll prove it by, what were you going to prove it by? Defaming him. Defaming him, okay. <laughs> nice. And I believe I tried to do that multiple times. No, that's fine. Um, I want to end the papacy, and I'll start by scamming the church. And I believe I adequately did that by scamming the dude we were talking to. Fair Thank enough. I want to restore my reputation by rekindling old relationships. Uh, when I was on, on stage giving the whole spiel about how I've changed. Yep, and- I, I definitely saw that. Definitely. Take a fate for that. Okay. <laughs> Always entertain myself. <laughs> I definitely did that. <laughs> that that yeah. was basically the entire thing. Okay, but did it get you into trouble, guys? Uh, it got me beaten did it get up, you remember? Trouble? <laughs> what was the- up in Oh, that's true. That's true. He got beat up oh. in the jail. That okay? Sure. Yep. Take fate for that because yeah. you you got light wounds from that the whole time, and that was a penalty. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Always have alcohol. You never had alcohol, so <laughs> always make the situation worse. I mean, take fate for that. <laughs> I don't. I don't think there's going to be a session where you will not take fate for that instinct. <laughs> yeah, probably not. That's a good instinct. Mm. <laughs> I wish I had that character. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's so fun to play. <laughs> I just get to make snippy comments all the uh-huh, time. Uh-huh. So, Rabble Rouser. Yeah, take fate for that. That got you into trouble. So yeah, take Rabble Rouser for that, because I mean, you, you specifically tried to get the crowd riled up. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, well, but, okay, did that get him into trouble, though? It did at the beginning. Someone threw a tomato at me. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't... <laughs> that, uh... <laughs> Yeah, no, no fate for that. No. Drunk? No, you didn't play into that at all because you didn't have alcohol. Marker privilege? No, I didn't get you any trouble. Unlucky? Oh, I should, I should have used that when David was about to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) Then you would have died. (laughs) Probably. But no, I would have gotten a persona point for it, so I could just use that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he has a cool trait, and we won't go into it because I like. Yeah, it's it's a cool trait. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, look it up. It's it's cool. It's nice. When was he unlucky? All the time. Yeah, like- <laughs> in the sessions, he didn't get beheaded. He didn't get killed by me. In fact, that was super lucky. That was a clutch moment. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. To be honest, no. Yeah, that, that makes sense. No fate for that. Tall tale teller. Did that get you into trouble? I mean, it got me beaten up. Tomatoes thrown at me. Connor caught well, I don't my think wrist. You told any stories this time? Did you? Or lies stories? No. Okay. Oh, that's the thing. I forgot about that trait. The character is seen at all. At least he says he has. His yarn is always wilder, larger, more incredible than his companion stories. The player may add one dice to persuasion, seduction, interrogation, or falsehood tests, so long as he can come up with an appropriate tall tale. Oh, you forgot about that. Right. Darn it. Uh, rapier wit. Dude. Definitely. You get fate for that. Nice. So yeah, rapier wit. Definitely take that for that, because you have multiple times where you made sarcastic comments at inopportune moments. <laughs> Your character is literally designed around getting fate. Uh-huh, literally though. So you get one, two, three, four, five, six. Cantarius, uh, did you want to add another belief based on what happened today? I think it should be something about killing Jared's character, but... Oh. Sure. Then that's two people who want to kill me. <laughs> it's, it's Antonius and Alphonse versus Delon and Centarius. That's a really dangerous lineup. He has six brawling, and I have six gray sword. 
neither of you two have really high fighting stats. No, they really don't. This is not a good setup. (laughs) But Jared will trick you, and Antonius will trap you with mending and... What's Connor's will? (laughs) Three. Okay, we're we're fine. Connor. Connor. We'll probably change that. Okay, do you want to add another belief? Jared is evil in every regard. And I need to find some way to punish him in the way that I have punished myself. Okay. I'm going to try this ice for you. No, I'm thinking, because I used my eyes a lot when I was doing alchemy and studying and stuff like that, so I need to do something that he uses a lot and just right. take that away. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, let's, go, let's go ahead and go through these then. I was spared for a reason, and I will administer my own justice. I didn't really administer any justice. Yeah, you didn't. The staff is the key to figuring out what happened to my son. If I break it, maybe the bondages of my son's soul can be broken as well. You did not even have your staff. By the way, your staff was given back to you, so. Oh, right, okay. At the end of the the thing. Alphonse is evil in every regard, and I will find a way to punish him like I have been punished. Go ahead and take fruit for that. I mean, you tried, at least. (laughs) If there is a confrontation, I take the lead. I don't think you really did. I think you were in the background most of the time. Ooh. Yeah. I wouldn't play all of you against each I mean, other. <laughs> there wasn't much of a confrontation. They just kind of yeah. grabbed us. And, you can't really play all of us against each other. We already all want to kill each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always inventing yeah, something. Yeah, nobody, uh, I well, I, I couldn't invent that, anything yeah. during that. Never harm a child. Never harm a child. I did not harm a single child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that didn't get you into trouble. So, Rabble Rouser, uh, you didn't really do that intimidating, didn't get you into trouble, though you tried to play it up, I think. Gifted, not really. Blind. Did blind actually get you into trouble at all? No. No. And then dreadful, again, not really. Cantarius was kind of in the background this time, so. Yeah. Okay, Antonius. So I believe I am innocent, therefore I will... Maybe I want vengeance on that noble. See, that, that would unfortunately be the kind of belief that you would have to have later, um, because you, yeah. there's no way to fulfill it right now. Yeah, may, or maybe I just hate noble society in general. Okay, that could be a, definitely a belief. And you could say, I want to get revenge against the nobility, therefore I will kill the first noble I see, or, you know, something, you know. Especially when we get into the town, there can definitely be a nobleman or something that you can target, you know? What is a good way to fulfill the belief that I despise oppressive nobility. I will something to the first noble I see. I mean, you could just say I will hurt the first noble I see. That's vague enough that you don't have to do something specific, but you could also earn a persona by it pretty easily. Okay. So what about belief three? Do you have another idea for that, or do you want to just leave that empty for now? I honestly have no idea what I would put in here right now. Alright, let's just go through these then. I want to get my life back, so I'll prove myself by completing this mission. Um, you did work towards that, so you go ahead and take a fate for it. Um, I, d- I despise the oppressive nobility, therefore I will hurt the first noble I see. Um, you didn't do that, but uh, something that I just thought of right now, David and Jared are nobles. Oh, they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he did oppose David rather vehemently. This particular belief was just solidified for me. I don't know that okay, it's necessarily wrong. Mm. As it is got now. it, got it. I was still under the impression that I would be set free, and that everything would be right in the world until okay. the guy in the red coat said otherwise. And now I am thoroughly of belief that the establishment, the nobility, anybody of any importance or mm-hmm. is an utter scumbag. And Do we still technically have our titles, David and I? 
Yes. Oh. Because you were exonerated. Okay. Hmm, that's interesting. Wow. But, but the thing is, like, you're supposed to be, like, at a monastery right now, like, working, like, mm-hmm. d- being disciplined in the ways of the church. And so, like, that's where everybody expects you to be. If I see something broken, I must fix it. Not really this time. Yeah, no. I always believe I am right. Definitely got you into trouble. I always have a knife on me. You did not have a knife on you, so. Broken in. Not particularly. Ambitious. No, not really. Cynical? I know you definitely played to it. I don't know if it got you into trouble, though. Not really, no. So, made man and hand-eye coordination. Probably not. Oh, you also got unlucky, too. (laughs) I forgot about that. Hey, we're twinsies. I didn't. I I failed my jail jailbreak attempt. As opposed to Alphonse, who seemed to be everything's working out for him, everything is working bad for you. So go ahead and take a fate for your unlucky. I totally forgot that you had that trait, yeah, and I'm literally trying my hardest to make things go bad for me. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> okay, so that looks like a total of three fate points. Yes. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's it. Thank you guys so very much for playing. All right. Adios. That was episode one of Crow Inquisitors. Look out for bonus content during the week as well, such as original fiction, music, and other extras to tide you over until we return to the campaign proper. I hope you enjoyed the story so far. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week for another episode. 